Hello, thanks for joining us for that Cthulhu John recap episode number two. We are a Real Play Call of Cthulhu podcast. I'm George, the Keeper of Arcane Lore. And with me are my friends today, Chad. Yo, yo. Chuck. Hello, baby. And Jenny. Hi. <laughs> All right, so there has been a lot that happened since our first story arc, which was with Millie. We'll just call that the Millie arc. Uh, at the very end of the Millie arc, though, Walter got some books from a uh, person that ha happened to just kind of come in and asked if they bought uh, old books. And I think it was the next day they returned with a bunch of books and Walter bought them. They're very old looking books, but they were all marked up for some reason. I'd like to thank Pawn Stars for the uh, guidelines for how to negotiate a successful transaction with that guy. Nice. Good research there. Paid off. Chumley. Mm. That's a name. Chumley. That's not a name. It's <laughs> not a name. So, later on, a distinguished gentleman comes in. He introduces himself as Rutherford Brightly. And uh, he's kind of in a hissy fit, if I remember right. Walter gets called over, and Rutherford asks him if he has the old books. Totally. Asked yeah. about the whereabouts and eyed up the bookstore like he was going to do something. Right. But Walter had 14 of these old books. Around that same time, though, Ginger, Heather's roommate, uh, talked to her and told her that she got a part in The King in Yellow, an old play that no one seems to have heard of. It's not very good. Lenny read it. At the same time... <laughs> At the same time, uh, Skinny Joey called Lenny into his office. Now, Skinny Joey had been missing for a couple days, but it was assumed that he was in Las Vegas. Skinny Joey calls Lenny into his office and asks some strange questions. A lot of questions that, like, he should probably know the answer to. Yeah, questions about his dad, stuff that he definitely should have known. And, like, work stuff. Yeah, stuff that he should have known better than you would. I, absolutely. And uh, all the other guys were saying he was doing the same thing. And he didn't, he didn't call him daddy. Yup, that's daddy. right. And that was weird. Pod person. <laughs> it was the least cringy he's ever been. <laughs> he got serpented. Yeah, later on, you kind of learn that he might be one of these serpent people that pop up. More on that later. Mm -hmm. While Lenny was in Skinny Joey's office, uh, he noticed a black lotus the only thing I remember from that exchange, because he hit me with a, with a forget-me spell, something. He hit you with the forget about it. The men in black yep. thing. Yeah, then afterwards, Lenny didn't really remember much of that interaction. Uh, but he did talk to uh, Jimmy the Skiff after... He talked to Jimmy the Skiff after his first interaction in the office. And Jimmy uh, kind of confirmed that, you know, Joey was acting weird. Also, at the very end of that episode, Heather's mom calls. And uh, it's the first we're introduced to her mom. So great. <laughs> she's the worst human on the planet. She's not that bad. She's just, she just misses her party days and kind of regrets Heather. What's, uh, what's the actual pronunciation of that last name again? Snikolsky. 
Gotcha. Yeah, at the at the uh, funeral, I know Walter was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> so Heather Heather's mom comes over to her house. Uh, Heather's mom, being Millie's best friend back in the day, she comes over with a box full of pictures and uh, mementos from Millie's house. Heather goes through these and sees all the pictures of her mom and Millie, and also finds a picture of her mom and a guy in a naval uniform. Daddy. Heather thinks it's her dad. In the bottom of this box was a strange necklace. And one of the things that Heather noticed about this necklace is that it looked like the thing that was around the the sailor who was in the picture with her mom. He had a similar looking necklace around his neck. Heather finds out that the necklace has some strange properties to it, like it won't heat up. Uh, it's hard to distinguish if it's gold or silver or some other type of metal. Now, uh, at some point, Thompson comes in, and it looks like he's still looking for the statue, uh, the statue from the first chapter, and Heather kind of brushes him off because he was a dick to her earlier on, and she knows he lied to her. During the same time, Walter learns about the Aquarian meteor shower. Um, where did you learn that from, Walter? Uh, it was definitely referenced in one of the books, specifically uh, near some of the other info uh, about the Ophidians, maybe like the first or second of the books that he has. I see. Around the same time, also, Heather comes home to see Ginger there. She's complaining about the director of the new play, Derek Bradshaw. Derek Bradshaw is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, professor of performing arts. And apparently he is a real taskmaster when it comes to his actors. And at this time, Skinny Joey calls Lenny back into his office. And this is when he brain clouds Lenny, uh, kind of makes him forget about everything they talked about in the office then and the day before. I feel like I got called asking questions or something. There was a reason he hit me with that. It was something I did, I believe. Or maybe it's because I was trying to break into the office at one point. I don't recall, but I feel like it was it, he did that because of something I fucked up. <laughs> maybe. But uh, Lenny, it's right around this time you start seeing Skinny Joey wearing not one, not two, but three or more so coats. So many coats. Yeah, I don't think I realized it was him at first. Because mm-hmm. I saw a guy with too many coats around his car before it exploded (laughs) right um getting a little ahead of ourselves there on the explosion of the car but uh, oh never mind click it (laughs) (laughs) but uh walter uh sees raymond tooley's obituary raymond tooley being the person who was the former owner of the books that walter now has walter looks up his obituary which says that he died of a massive heart attack. During this time, Walter's kind of struggling with why these books are all marked up. However, Theodore, one of the owners of Joe Clock's bookshop, helps Walter decipher a code that is in the book. One that uh, he eventually finds out is the code for lines, uh, lines and angles. Walter starts plotting lines, but doesn't understand what they mean quite yet. 
Later on, uh, Walter checks military records to find Heather's dad, whose name is Quincy Hawkins. It's not Karate Man? It's not Karate Man, actually. <laughs> oh, somebody called him uh, that, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> they see. find that Quincy Hawkins abandoned his post at the military, and there was no real record of him after that. Walter returns to work the next day and finds that his bookshop, Joe Clocks, has been ransacked. He finds a pack of matches from a bar called Smokey Joe's, which is in University City. Lenny sees a dude near Skinny Joe's car right before it explodes. He sees that guy hand a security guard a paper bag and then leave. Next, Lenny beats up said guard. Yeah. And uh, he tells Skinny Joey about it, who goes to question the guard, but he escaped. Uh, but it's kind of implied that they know who he is and they'll find him eventually. Uh, the guard had been paid off, of course. Yeah, so... By the person I mean, who blew up Skinny Joey's car. Some kind That's of a idea. fun bit of backstory that, I mean, personally, I've always kind of wondered. Hopefully we'll find out who and why somebody... Uh, Put the hit out on him. I mean, the why maybe is less mysterious, but the who could be interesting. Right. I've always wondered. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anyone knows that now. No. Well, no. I think I don't think anyone in the group does. Any of the yeah. investigators do. But Heather, Walter, and Lenny uh, all go to Smokey Joe's with the matches that they found from the bookstore. And Heather gets into a little fight and gets her first black eye. She gets sucked in the face. Walter takes a little too close a look at the baseball team, who's being quite loud in the back of the bar, and narrowly escapes without an ass whooping. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they find out about a guy named Hothead Harry, who they believe might have been the person that broke into the bookshop. Sal at this time also tells Heather that the fireside is closing. Lenny knows about the mafia power struggle. Uh, and Nikki Scarfo, the basically the head of the Philadelphia Mafia, is put into jail. So then there's a power struggle amongst the other capos that are beneath him. This is when Chucky, uh, Lenny's boss, calls Lenny in tears and wants him to meet up with him the next morning at the truck depot where Lenny works. Very early, if I recall. Yeah, it was quite early in the morning. He wanted you there at like 5.36. And you meet up there with Jimmy the Skiff, and Chucky asks you to take Skinny Joey to a safe house in the Poconos uh, after his car has been blown up and there's obviously threats made towards him. During the same episode, uh, Heather calls her possible grandmom after getting the information <laughs> from uh, Walter about her possible dad. Her grandmom, possible, uh, tells her that Quincy hasn't been around for years. Heather asks about the necklace. And Grandma freaks out and hangs up. Meanwhile, up at the Poconos, Lenny hears two gunshots from the safe house as he walks back to his truck after dropping off Skinny Joey and Jimmy the Skiff. The apparently not-so-safe house. I shouldn't have hung around. I should have just rolled out. 
how cool would it have been if Lenny was already driving away when he comes out? Like, ah, oh, it was nothing. It's probably the wind. Gets in the truck, starts pulling off. <laughs> Lenny, wait! He tried to kill me! <laughs> Not my problem. Yeah, later. I did my job. <laughs> really, I just didn't want to go to work on Friday, so I stayed a little longer and it ended up being the wrong choice. Right. So, <laughs> That's what I get. <laughs> so Skinny Joey then turns the gun on Lenny, and they get into a bit of a scuffle. Skinny Joey kind of gets away after, uh, if I remember right, Lenny slams his hand in the door of the cabin and makes him drop his gun. Then Lenny tries to go back to his truck and he gets ambushed by Skinny Joey who sticks him with a needle in the stomach. A big ass needle. A very big, old looking, some archaic stuff there. Yeah, it's got the, uh, the three holes. The finger holes. Oh, one in the plunger and one on each side of the uh, yeah yeah it's like it looks like uh like rings yeah that you hold down you almost got Tommy slicked almost but instead what happened was Lenny starts tripping balls seeing all kinds of things that aren't there mostly snakes uh, there was some Jimmy the Skiff too there was some uh, Tommy Slick. And I think there was some skiff as well. I think when I... Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I was, right. I was seeing all kinds of dead people. Yeah. You started seeing Jimmy the Skiff get up. I was like Haley Joel Osment. It was crazy. <laughs> uh, but during his trip, uh, Skinny Joey comes to him and Lenny kind of spills the beams about everything he knows about the mafia and his boss, Chucky. Uh, Lenny collapses in the cold for a good solid two hours. And while he's knocked out, Heather is trying to boil the necklace that she received, but it's still cold. Lenny's hallucinates that uh, Tommy's slick and then passes out in the cold again. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in Heather's world, Ginger starts seeing a weird symbol everywhere she goes. Right after that, Heather decides to take a shower after the shower, she sees that the mirror is steamed up and there's a weird symbol on it. She then gets sees the symbol start moving and undulating and she passes out in her bathroom. Which is not uncommon for her. No. It's not no. the first time she passed out in the bathroom. <laughs> no. Me. Her. <laughs> One and the same. Uh... Heather then starts seeing that same symbol everywhere, and it's maddening to her. Uh, she sees it in a NPC named Julie, who's an annoying bar patron at the fireside. She sees it in her puke when she throws up. She sees it in a, in a spilt beer. She sees it everywhere. Uh, Lenny wakes up from the cold, and he is severely frostbitten uh, at the tips of his fingers. Not the final stage of frostbite, but pretty bad. It's getting there. It wasn't so bad. <laughs> uh, this is less than a day outside. He found that his truck was gone, and so is Skinny Joey. That night, Heather has uh, the first dream that I mention, where she is a mermaid. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Heather always has dreams that she's a mermaid is a recurring dream, but this one she sees a yellow light that turns out to be an angler fish that swallows her. There's more of these dreams uh, that go on, too. 
just kind of becoming a regular old dingle hopper. <laughs> or was it Snarfblad? I forget. Unbelievable. Um, no, I was just thinking Scuttle from the princesses. Little Mermaid when he oh, kept okay. like misnaming like the fork and what was the other yes. thing? I, knew I forget the, what the other thing was. It's, it's probably a dildo knowing Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the original cover. So Hothead Harry winds up getting uh, arrested in suspicion of being the one who broke into the bookstore. Professor Brightly kind of comes to Walter with the idea that he can exchange some knowledge with him for getting the charges dropped against Hothead Harry. Eventually, Walter convinces, um, I believe it's Headley, to drop the charges. Professor Brightly then afterwards tells Walter about the significance of the Aquarian meter shower, it being the point where the sleeping ophidians, wherever they may be, will be at their most easily woken up point. All right, Lenny leaves the cabin eventually where he was in the Poconos. He breaks into a house, but cuts his hand up really bad on the window. He calls Heather though and lets her know that he's okay. And Lenny sends a page to Chucky on his beeper and gets no response from it. Uh, Lenny, I think you get home. It's almost like you're implying that Lenny had something to do indirectly with his father, or with Skinny Joey's father's disappearance. What's his name? Chucky? I'm sorry. Chucky, um, yeah. I'm not implying yeah. that. Well, no, I'm just putting it together now. All the information you gave him uh-huh. could have been all he needed. Um... Let's see. Okay, so eventually Lenny gets home. We find that Ginger is getting worse and feeling a drain from seeing this symbol everywhere. Lenny gets his hand looked at in the hospital. However, it seems like he's still hallucinating. He thinks the doctor at the hospital is Skinny Joey. Mm -hmm. But he still winds up getting stitches uh, when he you know, finally sees that it's not Skinny Joey. Heather gets an offer from Ginger to get a job as the curtain pull on the King and Yellow play. And Heather, knowing now that the fireside is closing, she takes the job. It promises decent pay, $100 a night once the play starts. Have we looked into his job at University of Penn? I didn't know he worked there. I didn't know that. I forgot until about that bit of info. Today. Yeah, he's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania as well. Hmm. That guy got to get taken down a couple notches. <laughs> Should have just blew up. So, well, eventually everyone goes to a diner to get some food, and Heather freaks out at the diner because she sees the symbol in the egg yolk. It's after this that Brightly tells Walter the significance of the Aquarian meteor shower uh, and asks him to meet up with some people uh, who we later on find out is the Magus Five. <laughs> Heather gets a call from Glenn Galworthy, who claims to be her possible grandmother's husband, although not her first husband. He's Galworthy, all right. Mm-hmm. And he seems very interested in the necklace that Heather has. 
In fact, he offers to fly her and her friends out to Alaska just to get a look at it. Heather's not buying it, though, and instead she decides to get some pictures of it and sends those to him first. Chucky continues to not respond to any pages, and Lenny talks to Thompson about that. Thompson kind of noticed the same thing, that he couldn't get in touch with Chucky. And it's around this point where I think Heather kind of runs out of ideas on what to do. Uh, There's so much going on that she wants to have a reading from a psychic again. Her and Walter go to Maria Conchetta, who tells Heather that something is draining her life force. This something being connected, probably, to the symbol that Heather kept seeing. Heather also asks Maria Conchetta about the necklace that she has, and Maria holds it and tells her that it's extremely old and from somewhere long forgotten. Later on, Lenny finds out that his truck is in a place called Jack's Scrapyard, and he's just happy to know that his truck's okay. However, later on, he sees that his stitches have popped and his hand looks like it's squirting blood all over the place. Uh, Later on, he finds out that this was probably just a delusion, as when he goes to the hospital for this, they tell him that his hand's fine and perfectly stitched up. Fairly comical moment. Yeah, nobody was reacting to the Evil Dead 2-style blood spray all over the hospital waiting room, and uh, it was all over everyone's faces, and nobody, everyone just seemed like it was a normal thing. They were fine with it. Right. Made me wonder. (laughs) Walter takes up the invite from Professor Brightly. And goes to Brightly's office at the University of Pennsylvania, the anthropology department. There he sees three other people. They all turn out to be professors at the University of Pennsylvania. One of them is named Willis Freeman, a very tall gentleman. One of them is named Tom Wink, a shorter guy with a very nicely groomed beard. And Raquel McLeod, who seems to be the youngest out of everyone there. After Lenny gets out of the hospital this time, he's just kind of wandering around, talking to himself and freaking people out in general around him. Lenny eventually ends up at the fireside where Heather brings up going to Alaska to him just to try to get away from Philadelphia and everything that's kind of going on. Meanwhile, Professor Brightly tells Walter the world is at stake from these ophidians, these snake people. And that they have to use some unusual methods to find where these snake people lie. And he welcomes Walter as the latest member of the Magus Five, taking the place of Raymond Tooley, uh, the deceased member of the Magus Five, a professor of archaeology at the University of Pennsylvania. Brightly tells Walter about the ritual that they're going to do to find where the Ophidians are sleeping and that they need something from beyond to help their cause. Lenny then learns that Walter's books are talking about these serpent folk, and that there may be some connection between what he's been experiencing and Walter's books. That night, while they're at the fireside, a uh, junkie comes in and kind of holds up the fireside, tries to steal money from Heather, and uh, tries to walk out with the register till. Lenny catches him, though, and beats the crap out of him, kind of taking out some of his anger and aggression. I was a little upset with everything, you know, and he was there. Yep, and you could beat him up, so you did. There's a real pattern. I feel like every every two minutes you're like, 
and there's a problem, so Lenny beat the crap out of him, <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I, I really thought Lenny didn't get Thanks, into that many Lenny. fights, but I mean... I didn't think so either, but this uh, recap is really... Yeah, every once in a while, it seems like Lenny's punching somebody. I guess if you're the muscle, That's what Walter's definitely the brain. Am I the wild card? Well, you're the muscle now. So from this confrontation, Heather picks up the gun from the junkie. And now she has a handgun. Armed. Pew pew. And doesn't even know how to use it. <laughs> Armed and absolutely terrible. Yeah, she goes to the shooting range and sucks hard. Heather goes home after the gun range and her failing to hit anything well. Uh, and she finds a note from Ginger that she got the job pulling the curtain at the theater. The next day is Millie's funeral, where all the investigators go, and they find that Heather's mom, Vera, Vera Snikolsky, is a complete wreck. She's drunk and, like, cigarettes, like, falling out of her mouth. She even pukes on the casket at one point. But Heather kind of redeems the whole thing with uh, a touching eulogy. I forgot her name was Vera. That's such an 80s name. <laughs> like, you don't hear about anybody named Vera now. Nope. Have you met any babies named Vera? No, no one's naming their kid Vera. But getting back to Walter's books, they find something about a being named Yig, who is the god of the Ophidians. Yeah. And Walter thinks, because of his conversation with Lenny, that the Ophidians might already be there and aren't sleeping. They certainly are snake people. So, I mean, if they're not Ophidians... What are the chances? There's two snake gangs. There's a different kind of snake person. I yeah. Mean, there's lizard people, I know, but this isn't lizard. They're snakes for sure. Two otherworldly different groups of snake people that one is awake now and one's going to be awake in a couple they weeks. Turns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Walter and Lenny and Heather... Uh, actually start looking for more connections between the books and Lenny's experiences. They find in one of the books a dark purple stain with flecks in it. The little flecks look almost black and this reminds Lenny of the black lotus or the black flower which we know is the black lotus in Skinny Joey's office. And the liquid that I was injected with. And we find out that it's Probably, yeah, that it matches up with the same color of the liquid from the needle that Lenny was injected with. After going through these books, though, Lenny decides that he's going to check out the church where the King in Yellow play is being rehearsed. He goes there, checks it out. Doesn't seem much, though. Heather calls back Glenn Galworthy and tells him that she sent pics of the necklace. And he sounds very creepy <laughs> over the phone. Oh, yeah. Gave Heather the chills. <laughs> After this, Lenny decides not to go to work the next day. Understandable, because everything that happened between him and Skinny Joey. But he gets a knock on the door after deciding not to go to work. And he finds... Work came to me. Yeah, work came to him. He, his boss, Chucky, is there with his son, Skinny Joey. They chase Lenny down an alleyway. Lenny tries to run away, but gets hit by a car. Mm -hmm. His leg gets completely twisted around. During this time, uh, Skinny Joey comes over and claims that he's a doctor as there's a crowd gathering around. He reveals himself to Lenny. Lenny use, loses 
the maximum amount of sanity possible for seeing one of these serpent people because he you rolled a crit fail if I remember right either way it wasn't fair he just keeps <laughs> on showing up with his snake face and I just keep on getting more and more scared hate it every time you don't go to work yeah something bad happens every time yeah. you try to get out of work more snakes so Lenny completely loses his mind and goes totally ape shit and hits Skinny Joey right in the head and hits him so hard that he gets knocked over off his feet. Chucky then shows up and threatens Lenny and pulls Skinny Joey to safety and they escape in the car. In the meantime, I, uh, I pulled that needle from his uh, jacket pocket, I believe. That was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah, you stole the needle, that really long, oldie-timey looking needle from Skinny Joey's jacket. Lenny then goes to the hospital for his leg. Walter gets more concerned after seeing this needle that Lenny was injected with. Meanwhile, Heather goes to the church, the studio at the church, which is in Kensington. This is the first time we meet Derek Bradshaw, the director of the Kane Yellow play. And you see him being extremely mean to the lead actors, Ginger and Victor, as well as the rest of the actors. However, he's not being mean to the stage crew. He seems to respect the stage crew. Heather finds her way down to his office to ask him some questions, but she finds a book that has the sign that she's been seeing on the cover of it. She then says, that's the symbol that I've been seeing everywhere as it starts to bend and move again. Professor Bradshaw then says, you know, that wasn't meant for you. And he puts his head, he puts his hand on your head, says some strange words, and he says, that should feed it for now no one ever learned what that means exactly no but we do know that whatever that symbol was doing to her was was draining her life force according to the psychic and uh we did gain some more insight a little after this didn't we that's right yeah because next uh she steals his book that had the symbol on the front of it wild card and uh, she tells she makes a great excuse she tells Walter about her encounter with Bradshaw and stealing that book. Then Heather and Walter go to visit Lenny in the hospital and actually leave Bradshaw's book there with Lenny. Thompson shows up at the hospital and talks to Lenny. and It seems like Thompson's becoming more and more suspicious about what's going on and that Lenny might have some sort of clue as to what's happening. Yeah, I think, um, I think Lenny made some sense in some of his arguments that you know, maybe uh, something weird is going on. But Lenny, even though he wanted to open up to him, he couldn't really just say, like, yeah, they're replaced by snakes. So he had to be real cryptic at the same time as telling him everything he knows, but it's kind of, you can't do both. Right. Yeah. Heather goes to grab some missing things from her apartment after uh, the visit in the hospital. And she has a message on her answering machine from Ginger, who's saying that Professor Bradshaw's freaking out. He's missing his book. During that same night, Lenny's in the hospital. Someone who's only identified as Nurse Jeremy comes in and tries to smother Lenny with a pillow. However, Lenny takes that king in yellow book and knocks him out with it. Mm -hmm. Became the king in black and blue. (laughs) You, you. (laughs) Walter takes the needle that had the little tiny remnants of the purple liquid in it takes it to Professor Freeman, who is a professor of biochemistry. 
Freeman analyzes the liquid in the needle, looks at it under a microscope, says it's definitely some sort of plant, and gives it to a rat, who then starts to seem like it's tripping out. Freeman acts this whole time like he's never heard of what this is or what it could be. However, later on, we do find out that he, of course, is lying about this and knows exactly what the Black Lotus is. Lenny, while he's in the hospital, he's going through the book and learns about some spell in the King in Yellow play called the King's Puppet. While he's looking through this, Skinny Joey calls him in the hospital and threatens him saying that, you know, you're not going to leave that hospital alive. Heather goes back to her apartment again and finds that it is completely trashed. It looks like maybe someone was going through there looking for something. Maybe a book. Mm -hmm. Maybe a book. The next day, Lenny escapes from the hospital with the help of Heather. He escapes unseen. His best friend. (laughs) Of course. I didn't say it. I'm just kind of like everybody knows it. Lenny and Heather then go to Joe Clock's bookshop and Phil Walter in on everything. Heather gets the idea that Bradshaw may be using the King's Puppet spell to control Ginger. Walter, during that day, calls Professor Brightly and tells him about his concerns about the snake folk being awake. Brightly does not seem concerned about the Ophidians being awake and kind of brushes off anything that Walter says, telling Walter that he is the foremost expert on the Ophidians. The crew kind of decide that it's best that if Lenny doesn't stay home, so they hole up in a hotel. In this hotel, uh, Lenny calls a, uh, I forget who you call, it's some sort of horticulturist or something. No, 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 Arbitorium. That's right. You call an Arboretum. That's right, yeah. Uh, Who tells you of the closest place nearby that sells very unusual and rare flowers. A place called Flowers by Yuki. Lenny calls them up, but they deny the existence of anything a very, very dark purple lotus, almost black lotus. The lady on the phone denies that it even exists. After this, Heather and Lenny go back to Heather's apartment uh, again. And after they close the door behind them, there they see Ginger with her eyes aglow, speaking in Bradshaw's voice, tells them, where's the fucking book, bitch? That was so awesome. <laughs> that moment was scary. <laughs> Then she holds Lenny for hostage. Well, it's kind of like Ginger slash Bradshaw Mm -hmm. uh, holds Lenny for hostage and sends Heather to get the King and Yellow book. Lenny just chilled out on the couch. I mean, there wasn't much he could do with a busted leg. And she had a gun on him the whole time. But but I started to realize something. What was that? I started to notice that sometimes those, those, the yellow glowing eyes would go dim. Yep. But that's when Heather and Walter go to the church Uh, the church theater and they have the book with them at that point they almost get charged by the whole cast that all have glowing eyes but when their eyes seem to glow the light seemed to go out in ginger's eyes in a completely separate place across town yeah ginger's eyes still followed lenny but she seemed frozen in place heather and walter decide at the church though to just leave the book there for bradshaw There's too much scary shit going on. And they just leave the book and ditch 
think that's a little bit of a simplification there. It was more of a ma- matter right. of life and death in Walter's uh, mm-hmm. viewpoint. He kind of left it there in exchange for his and Heather's life. And, well, they weren't going to let you leave. We because that's true. the only the two people on that weren't being controlled... That's right. The only two people that weren't being were controlled were all right. Were stagehands. They were just nuts, and they were all driven nuts. Mm-hmm. Probably from hearing the play too much. Maybe, yeah. And we didn't have enough money to bribe them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a hundred dollars a day. <laughs> I don't even have a hundred dollars. This is eighty-five at all. But while the Bradshaw's concentration is taken off of Ginger and his instead controlling the cast that is in the church. Lenny takes the opportunity to knock the gun out of Ginger's hand. And then it gets a little weird. Yeah, that's right. Then it, then it just gets a little strange. Ends up on the kitchen floor with a bunch of olive oil and spooning this girl forcibly. Weird, creepy, sexy time. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I, she's fighting still. After he relinquished control of her, She was still acting weird, but her eyes weren't glowing anymore. It looked like she went to the kitchen, started dipping her finger in olive oil and trying to draw something on the wall, and then came after Lenny with a knife. Lenny, however, subdues her and is in there, become an oily mess on the floor. It's gross. (laughs) Especially when you word it like that. Yeah, I just, Uh I didn't want to draw on those symbols because I didn't know what it was going to do to me. Become an oily mess on the floor. The same what it looked like. Yeah. Heather and Walter show back up to the apartment, and Heather basically calls Byberry, the mental hospital, and kind of tries to 302 Ginger, but they never go back to the apartment after that. I swear, this is all her oil. We just assume that she's probably fine. <laughs> it's. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I'll call when I get, like, Five seconds where I'm not getting fucking attempted to be murdered on and monstered. Like, give me five seconds. I haven't had a dream that doesn't end up as almost dying. I can't even eat a goddamn sandwich or go to the movies without crying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you guys definitely all have like PTSD, except for Magoo. Yeah, Walter didn't right. notice. <laughs> Still daydreaming about Millie and reading books from the 1600s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Walter names Heather as his assistant, gets her to talk to Professor McLeod, who seems kind of adverse to older she's, white men. I think she's sexist. She might be a little bit. I think so. But... Heather talks to McLeod about the Mages Five, and Professor McLeod reveals that the rest of them did know about the Purple Lotus. They did a ritual with the Black Lotus and used the books and marked them all up. Oh, and then she tells them uh, the rest of the Mages Five doesn't like her. She's excluded from a lot of the stuff because she's a woman, probably. Then they tell Professor McCloud about their encounters, about Lenny's encounters with the snake people. And later on, she tells them to check Raymond Tooley's autopsy, which they do find eventually. But Lenny has to get Detective Thompson to get the autopsy because Very they don't just give that out to anybody. So Lenny kind of calls in a favor. Yeah. 
I didn't really trust him yet. I still didn't, you know, still didn't really know him well. I don't. But um, right. we had no other options. Seemed like a good one. I'd like to just add that as much as I love Thomas Winklespect, I'm very disappointed by his mm, deceitful character in-game. <laughs> of all the people who lied to me and played me, I feel the most hurt by him. <laughs> Goddamn Tom. Definitely not a snake. So they find this autopsy report, and it's very unusual in that it seems that Raymond Tooley's heart was just crushed inside of his chest, but there's no evidence of anything entering his body, or, uh, and it's just concluded to be a massive heart attack like Walter had read in his obituary. Almost impossible. Completely impossible for just a heart attack. It's like somebody squeezed it or something, right? Exactly. It seemed like someone crushed his heart from the inside. Like a snake would do? Wrap around it and just squeeze it. Interesting. Or like some kind of galactic emperor's like right-hand dude. I find your lack of yeah. faith disturbing. You know it to be true. <laughs> so, Lenny tells that the uh, Ophidians have taken over gangsters. He tells this to um, Walter and Professor McCloud. Uh, but the crew finds out uh, from Sketch in one of Walter's books about something called a dimensional shambler. They also mention a some sort of sketched out circle that will contain the dimensional shambler. And they find out this is part of the ritual that will be going on at the end of the month that Walter will participate in. Who, me? You okay? Yeah, I just get real scared yeah. every time you talk about shamblers in this damn ritual because I don't, I, it, it cannot go well. <laughs> I know just but enough to know that I don't trust say, it. You know Chuck is scared of the shambler. Every shambler's. time you say shambler, I have to make faces and get, I get real shook. <laughs> but they, uh, they discover about that and the uh, containment circle, we'll call it. Uh, Heather and Walter then visit Dr. McLeod in person. And uh, Professor McCloud tells Walter about this 10-year sacrifice that each member of the Mages Five is going to make, where they sacrifice 10 years of their own life to do this ritual at the end of the month that is going to reveal where the Ophidians lie. And she also tells Walter that he should have 15 books instead of just 14. Are you guys still there? I can't see anyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just listening. Okay, cool. All right, cool. Just letting the the anger and the uh, deceit just process, just sink in. Ooh. <laughs> so, back at the hotel where Lenny is, he finds the cops pull out front, and it looks like they have a mugshot of Lenny. Mm-hmm. The cops are looking for him. Apparently, there was an APB, all points bulletin, put out on Lenny. Lenny learns this because Thompson calls the hotel room. So Thompson helps to call off the APB and tells Lenny that it came from very high up, the call for it. It was actually the police chief. That kind of sparks off a suspicion that the police chief might be one of these snake folk, too. However, Thompson tells Lenny that calling off this APB, this investigation, won't last very long. Back at the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. McLeod suggests the seance to talk to Raymond Tooley. 
She suggests this seance, of course, to Heather and Walter, and she says that later on tonight they can join her and talk to the deceased Raymond. Finally. Not that Walter has shared any aspirations to learn magical spells and all that stuff with the rest of the crew, but he felt like that was his in, you know? He's jumping the gun a little bit yeah. with this uh, ritual at the end of the month, but, you know, he's got his pal Heather at his back, so uh, what could go wrong? I want to learn right. magic so bad. I want to learn spells so bad. Oh, you guys are dumb, you guys keep dummies. saying you could do it. I want to. It's so dangerous. <laughs> You're just going to hurt yourself. You want to lose 10 I'm years? I'm the dumb dummy. I'm the dumb dummy. Well, mm. <laughs> Look, Lenny Lenny took all the, that stuff so that you didn't have to. He just let you get beat up sometimes. <laughs> you know how he gets. Lenny winds up telling Detective Thompson about the Black Lotus that he saw in Skinny Joey's office. He also tells Thompson about Flowers by Yuki, the place that seems to have some sort of connection to the Black Lotus. Thompson tells Lenny that he can count on him for backup if he needs to funny yeah uh lenny comes along for the seance that night they tell lenny that all the participants will be weakened uh, and he can just stay there just to make sure nothing goes wrong question did, did, yeah lenny did mention the the professor at least bradshaw to to um detective thompson right i feel like he mentioned that the only other people that had a connection to this flower would be these people this flower that doesn't exist yeah, I don't think he talked to him about Bradshaw, did he? I don't know if I gave him a name, but I said I definitely talked about these professors to him. Yeah, but I don't remember if I gave him yeah, a name. Yeah, but not Bradshaw. Not not the director. Oh, not Bradshaw. No, I meant, uh, my bad. Um, Brightly. Brogglehurst. Yeah, Brightly. All right, so Lenny's there for the seance. Uh, three participants in the seance, Raquel, Heather, and Walter. Oh, I should have stayed outside in the hallway. Call up the spiritual energy of... Raymond Tooley. Uh, Lenny witnesses this ghost and with such little sanity left, he goes permanently insane to the point where he even punches Heather where she tr when she tries to stop him from running away. But he does kind of hobble away out into the darkness. Uh, ghosts are just too much, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess so. We it was just him. the straw that broke the camel's back. You're a bastard man, George. You are a bastard man. You don't do that. We wanted him to protect us, but who's going to protect Lenny? Yeah, well. Well, Raymond Tooley does break through through this seance, and he has some broken words that he speaks. Uh, kind of hard to understand most of it. But Raquel winds up fainting and breaks the ritual. Uh, she says she's still weak from the last time she did this, which was over a year ago. But Heather finds the book that she used. However, Raquel doesn't let her borrow said book. Walter leaves a message for Detective Thompson regarding Lenny. He doesn't name names, but he says a mutual friend of ours is in trouble. Heather calls Flowers by Yuki, claiming that she has the Black Lotus. Heather finds that Yuki, it seems, is lying to her about not knowing anything about the Black Lotus, like no one seems to know about this thing. Uh, however, Heather gets out of her that Yuki does know Professor Brightly, and that's where we left off at. That was a long recap, guys, but... There's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes to cover. Next recap will be a lot shorter, I hope. We're not very good at, like, figuring things out and, like, making this work properly, so it's going to take forever. 
<laughs> I am not good at that. Mysteries <laughs> on top of mysteries on top of mysteries on top of lies. You said, oh, so you did good. You know she's lying. What do you ask? And I was like, okay, bye-bye. I see you later. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think that quick. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining me for this recap episode. We're going to go back to a real episode next. But remember, until then, sanity is overrated. Rest in peace, Leonard Cobb. He's alive. Maybe.